welcome into another edition of the Sharps Report here on bettingpros.com. My name is Matt Peralta. I'm the host of the Daily Juice podcast. Every week we talk to different market makers, pro gamblers, media members, and people in the sports gambling space about what's happening around sports gambling. And this week we're very happy to be joined by Thomas Casali. He's the media director for profootballdoc.com joining us here on the Sharps Report. Thomas, Matt Peralta, thanks for joining us. Thanks for the time. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Well, you and I have gone back and forth for a ton of time here on Twitter, on talking DMing and everything else about the gambling world. But this is my first time actually getting a chance to interview you. So tell me a bit, tell the audience a bit about your history, how long you've been involved in sports betting and and what you're doing in the sports betting space. Sure. So I've been betting for a long time, over 30 years. My father was uh, the worst kind of better, a degenerate, you know, leave us sitting in the car for three hours while he went inside to OTB. You know, so I kind of grew up around that. Um, and, and I got and I got into it the way you shouldn't probably. Right. Like betting way too much uh, money that I didn't have. So early on, I learned a lot of lessons about sports betting. Let's put it that way. There's still a bookie or two out there probably looking for me. So if they see this show, they might be coming after me. But, you know, those are lessons that I learned a long time ago that I use now. And, you know, I try to pass them off to you know anybody who follows me on Twitter, you know, because listen, this is about money. You're betting your hard earned money and you want to do it wisely and you want to do it with good information. In terms of how the space has changed from when you first started and how you've been in it for 30 years, like how do you currently feel about the legalization and where we are here in the sports gambling evolution, if you want to call it that, in terms of legalization? Well, I think it's exciting, obviously, uh, long overdue. Uh, think about all... Think about how hard people work in life, and they just want to—they want to bet a ten-dollar parlay, you know. And, and they got to—they got to go offshore and all. That. I mean, I'm in New York, so, so we still have to drive to a to a sports book to place a bet, which is absolutely ridiculous. But I, you know, I think it's exciting um, in, in terms of like the media industry. You know, I think right now everybody's in it, right? Everybody's in the sports betting. It's going to bring you money. It's uh, the short term. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes long term, though. Uh, long term, though, because I was in fantasy football in the late 90s when it first started. And it's it's a little bit similar where everybody's rushing to get that gold. But we'll see who's still standing in five to 10 years. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and I think a lot of people are trying to figure out the roadmap from the daily fantasy world, right? And I, I, unfortunately, it feels like we're headed towards a place where the government is going to get involved here like they did with daily fantasy. It, is it frustrating that we didn't learn the lesson that, that it feels like the sports gambling world, even some of those some of those companies that were involved in the DFS, you know, involvement with, with the government, that the same mistakes are being made with over overselling if you will or too many advertisements or too much targeting of people under the age of 21 yeah it is you know the one thing about sports betting that i think is a little bit different is that the government sees that they can make money from it the where dfs failed and still fails i think and it's probably never going to get over this problem is the casual fan tried it and didn't like it because they weren't economics majors with spreadsheets. And <laughs> listen, I, I know as much about football as, you know, almost anybody. And I was winning $3 in these DFS things. Right. And so it's not fun to the casual person where I think sports betting is, even if you're only putting a couple, couple, I always tell people, my friends bet one five hundredth of what I bet, but their investment in that bet is the same as mine. It doesn't matter how much you're putting on it, right? It just matters that you're invested financially and and it makes the games more interesting. 
Absolutely. I tell people all the time, I never unit shame at all. You you got no. $5 or 5,000. I don't care. The second you put your money down on it, you're taking a position and you're putting your money down on it. And it's just whatever you feel comfortable risking, it's all on you. But I don't, I don't look down upon anybody no. for what, what they're betting or how much they're betting. It's money's money, man. <laughs> you know, you're putting five bucks down. It's still your $5 you're putting down uh, to, to go ahead and predict what a human being is going to do, which makes it really difficult. And it, that kind of takes me where I want to go into this here for this episode and talk about future betting because I I've really enjoyed watching you and some of the things you have done in the futures market. And I'm just curious, like, have you always been attracted to betting betting futures markets or did that evolve as you became a more educated gambler? That evolved. Uh, it's like anything else, Matt. It, it's a skill. Uh, every sport is a skill. So years ago, I realized my uh, lifetime winning percentage in NBA was about 18%. So I said, you know what? Maybe I'll stop betting NBA because I'm not any good at it, right? So those are things I learned along the line were sports that I was good at. But then I started, I, I just have a special knack, I guess, the, a talent for futures where I'm able to break down teams and see the depths of the teams. And, you know, every, listen, when you bet a future, you need a little bit of luck, right? The Like I hit one... I had a streak going six of eight NCAA tournament winners. And if you go back and look at those, those teams had games where they needed like a last second shot or, you know, they needed a foul call. So there's a little luck involved, but you're just trying to, you're trying to find value and you're trying to put yourself in a position to be there at the end of the season and have a chance. Look, I bet the over on the Cardinals win total. And I thought I was dead. And then they won 17 games in a row <laughs> and, and I got over right. on that. So absolutely. Sometimes you just need some, some luck and teams to turn things around, but as a whole, because of the volatility day to day that we see in sports and trying to bet the market or beat the market on that one day, do you feel like not that the odds level out a little bit, but it's a little bit less volatile when you're betting a futures market, when you're looking at the totality, either for a win total or for a team to win a division or to win a championship, that it's over the course of an entire season you're betting versus one day for humans to go out there and do something you predict. I do. And, you know, I'll give you two examples. A couple of years ago, I bet the Ravens at 40 to one to win the Super Bowl. My thinking was if Lamar Jackson improves a little bit, this team's loaded. Right. Everywhere else, they're loaded. Now, they didn't end up winning. We know they went in the playoffs, but they had that good run. And I got to tell you, Matt, I'm kicking myself. I'm absolutely kicking myself because this year I looked at the board and I ended up going with the Bills because I thought they were the most talented team. But the best value, and I'm not just saying it, the Cardinals were sitting there 45 to 1. I looked at that team up and down, and you know what threw me? And, And this is a mistake. So I'm still making mistakes 30 years later. Cliff Kingsbury. I just don't like him. And so I was talking myself out. But when you break down like the teams, I mean, San Francisco was what, like 15 to one and the Cardinals were 45 to one. So I look at that a lot too. Howard, like the year I took the Ravens, you'll remember everybody was on the Browns that year, right? They were down to like 12 to one. And I said, if you put the Browns and Ravens next to each other, can you tell me who's better? So you're just kind of looking for value in the number and teams that they get to the playoffs can make a run. Do you ever take positions with the either a idea that you're going to sell the ticket on the secondary market as it increases in value or B to have a hedge opportunity on the other side? If potentially the team either isn't doing as well as you want, or they get to a game like a championship game and you have a chance to bet the other side. So you bet an AFC championship, they're in it and you have a chance to bet the other side. Do you ever look at hedge opportunities as well? I do. I'm uh 
my the way my makeup is, I kind of like to go for it, but it also depends on your odds. So the year the Ravens played the Titans, if they had played the Chiefs, I would have hedged because I think that was a terrible match. We saw how they struggled against the Chiefs up until this year with the blitzing against Mahomes. So I didn't like that matchup. So I, I needed one win there to be able to hedge, and I didn't get it. And, and you know, it, it really all depends on if I have the better team and by how much. Like if I if if I had Baylor this year, right, I probably would have hedged with Gonzaga because that was an even game. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So I think it depends on where you're at. But if you have bigger odds, like you know, we'll talk about college basketball in a second. But I bet Auburn at seventy to one, seventy to one. I mean, listen, if they're in the Final Four, I'm going to hedge. <laughs> Makes sense, right? I mean, just because of where you are, just the, the, the likelihood of, of them being able to, to get there, even though you, you handicapped it right, you have to take a look at it. Do they hit their, do they hit their ceiling? Mm-hmm. Is there one sport that you like more than others when it comes to betting on futures? Yeah, the NFL I like. I, I like betting NFL futures more than I like betting NFL games. Uh, you know, the NFL, you know, you, you bet it every, every week, man, those lines, they're tough. Uh, you're not, it's hard to find value in an NFL line. So I think like, you know, we mentioned the Ravens a couple of years ago, listen, there's two teams that you and I, we might be the only two people who bet over on Raiders and Bengals might be the only two people on earth. And, you know, my two favorite how, bets. Yeah, the, and you know, one of the things I saw with both those teams that I think the media missed Look at their defensive lines. Look at the Bengals and Raiders defensive line. Nobody was talking about that, right? And I and I thought, boy, if this plays out, these two teams will have better defenses than what people think. So, you know, it, it, it's all a process. And, and then co- college basketball is my main sport. That's where I make my most money. And that's that's kind of tough to bet futures right now. I mean, listen, it's March Madness. Anything can happen. But if you can find a team that you don't think is going to be close to that number in March, then I would then I would jump on the number. Yeah, I think the reason why I looked at the Raiders for a couple of reasons. And one, I'm in Vegas, so I'm kind of around it so I can see it a little bit more. But, you know, I don't hate Derek Carr the way everyone else hates Derek Carr. And I just I went back and looked at just the numbers for him when he had a an offensive line that would protect him and B if he had weapons and going back to the year where he almost won the MVP before he broke his ankle. He had weapons and this year he's got weapons and Waller is continuing to develop. And I think you have rugs going from year one to year two, which he's taken a big step forward and you've got the running game. Now I didn't hate the Drake addition. Like I was like, why are you bringing in Kevin Drake? I was like, I don't know. Cause he's a good third down back and he gives you a, a break from Jacobs. If he gets hurt and that's what happened. Jacobs has been banged up and he's had, you know, Drake's come in and played pretty well. And Max Crosby has been a really nice addition. And Gus Bradley, I think was the biggest undersold, mm-hmm hiring because they needed an identity from a defensive coordinator to come in and and be tough. And frankly, John Gruden getting fired. I feel better about our ticket now that Gruden's been fired and they've got five wins. I mean, we may cash it in two weeks. I mean, mean, they may get to seven here in two weeks, given the way they're playing. And from a Bengals perspective, I just think Jamar Chase, everybody forgot about Jamar Chase as to how that guy really is. Better numbers than Devontae Smith. And, you know, we're hearing about his three drops in the preseason. Uh, Right. 
Everyone's like, you can't see the ball because it's different. And I'm like, wait a minute. This dude was the best player in all of college football in 2019. He was the best player. You want to say why? I mean, to me, I was looking at it, you know, going like Burrow may have been the story. But the reason why LSU won was because Jamar Chase broke every record in the SEC for receiving that you could break. And everyone kind of forgot about that in 2020. And I was like, if he goes to the Bengals, I love the Bengals because their defensive line, like I agree with you, was going to be better than people thought. And it has been better. But the connection between Burrow and Chase is just insane right now. And they're torching every defense that they go ahead and face. And Burrow's injury question, that did scare me a little bit. It helped us, I think, get a better number that he wasn't going to be, you know, everyone's like, yeah, he looked really shaky in practice coming off that knee injury. I was like, yeah, but that's, it's August. Like, we're going to play games in September. Like, what are we, what are we worried about? So I, I, I like that a lot. In terms of betting overs or unders, do you prefer which one? Did you care? Are you okay, are you okay with pulling for unders and betting unders when, when it comes to futures for wins? Yeah, I mean, I probably bet more overs than unders. I will bet unders and futures. Uh, the, I mean, it's listen. I, I've never won an under in a football game ever. Uh, I tell people all the time. Years ago, when the Rams had that good offense, they played Carolina, and we. And this was before you know, like we had all this info. We heard it was going to be a monsoon and all this stuff. I bet under, and the score was thirty four thirty one at the half. So, the those are my under bets in terms of totals. So that, again, as I learned, I said, you know, I'm not going to bet totals. I'm not really that good at them. But yeah, no, there's some there's some opportunities a lot of times. You know, one of the one of the ones I didn't I didn't put a ton of money on it. I just threw a little bit on it, but I took under on Indiana the in football this year. You know, I thought everything went right for them last year. They had a quarterback coming back from an injury, and, and I thought the win total was set a little bit, a little bit high. So I will take unders. It's just, I mean, you know, overs are more fun to root for. Yeah, good call by you. I, I bet the under on Iowa, and that's obviously going to be dead wrong in, in what they did. And I was I like, on Iowa, though. I, I thought they were I, – I, I didn't see it. The I, I didn't see – you know, but then again, you know, it's hard to predict four interceptions, three return for touchdowns, block right? punch every game. It's amazing yeah. what they do. I mean, the turnover luck is insanity, and, and people argue, well, hold on, interceptions is not luck. Fumble luck is turnover luck, not interceptions. I'm like, okay, but they're back seven. I mean, the first five games of the season, it was ridiculous, including the Indiana game where Penix just was awful. And I thought Michael Penix was going to come back and play really well. And off those two ACL injuries, he's been horrible. And mm-hmm. Indiana's had a really rough year this year because their defense is okay, but not good enough to overcome all the turnovers that their offense has been has been putting them in. So, yeah, so I'm going to be wrong on on Iowa. And, and I've, 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 I was on my, on my no bet list from I'm 0-3 betting Iowa games this year. So I am done on Iowa. I'm going to lose their over. I'm going to go 0-4. Iowa fans love to remind me how much money I'm losing on their team. So like we're crazy. The talk about one of the best fan bases. Uh, yeah. you, you say something bad about Iowa. Forget about it. They'll, they'll follow you for years. Go work. Go work there for two years and, and, and be on radio in Des Moines and say all sorts of bad things about Iowa. They'll bring it up 10 years, literally 10 years since I left in 2011. And I still hear about things I said on the radio in Iowa uh, about the Hawkeyes. So they have long memories in that state as well as being very passionate and, 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 and angry uh, about what, about what they're doing. In, in terms of where you are in the secondary ticket market, do you sell tickets on futures? Do you look at a prop swap website like that? Or do, do you do you ever go there and look to, to, to move off of a position you, that you take? I haven't yet. The you know, It's not something I'm completely against, but I just, I haven't really, again, I, I like to roll the dice and, and and play it out to as far as I can. And the other thing too, is you have to remember where I am in New York. 
So I can't bet on DraftKings and, you know, I got a, I got, we call him a local, right? I, I, I still got a, I got a guy who has his own website and his own, and I can get it on the phone, but I don't actually have DraftKings and FanDuel and BetMGM, which is just amazing. But yeah, so that's the other reason why I don't really sell tickets is because I haven't had the opportunity yet. Yeah, and I, I really hope New York gets this right at some point for downstate, as you guys call it. You have upstate sports gambling, brick and mortar, but not digital, not not mobile yet. And hopefully, downstate comes around because the numbers. I'm very curious. You live in the area. I mean, everyone was touting that New Jersey had a billion dollar handle in the month of September. I mean, how much of that when New York, if it does go downstate legal, how big of a chunk do you think that's going to take out of New Jersey? I think it'll be a, a, a little bit of a chunk for sure. I mean, I, I live in more near Albany, New York. So, but I do know people in the city who drive across the bridge, go to that convenience store that's famously now known as Little Las Vegas, that people <laughs> just pull in and go on their phone and bet. So I do think there's a fraction of people doing that. I mean, listen, New Jersey is going to be fine, but New York is the, that's the big one. That's the big apple, right? That's the, right. how, why it's take, but listen, Matt, you, politics, it took us eight years to get MMA, MMA. We were the last state that could, that could legalize it. Who did? And I used yeah. to go to those hearings in Albany when I, I worked for Bellator at the time. It's shocking. It, it, listening to these politicians talk sometimes, you have to wonder where we are in this world. It's a great point. And, and it's, it, yeah, I mean, there was personal conflicts and, disliking Dana White and everything mm-hmm. else that, that, that caused the New York to be the last one to not legalize uh, when it comes to mixed martial arts. By the way, what exit is Little Las Vegas? Do you know in, 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 in New Jersey? That seems like an awesome business opportunity for somebody to go ahead and actually build something called Little Las Vegas for a convenience store. Right? Over I don't know. Place. I just know people are driving over the bridge, whatever that means. <laughs> that's that's awesome. A Little Las Vegas. I think that that's such a cool nickname. Someone definitely showed up a, a convenience store uh, to go ahead and do that. And, and yeah, I mean, it's it's a gas station. You know, we've seen people do gas station videos from it. You know, I'm sitting here with my phone. Here's my gas yeah. station, whatever. And it makes total sense why they're doing it because they have to cross over in New Jersey to go ahead and do it. So, all right, let's talk some college basketball here heading into the year. Uh, let's start with Gonzaga and where they are. They're going to be playing here in Vegas in a couple of weeks. I'm really trying. I'll hopefully be able to go over there and, and watch them. Is it them and everybody else? Or are you thinking the field might be a little bit closer than than people are projecting? I mean, they're the best team. The Listen, Gonzaga plays everybody early in the season. They're, 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 they can't do anything about their conference. But I think it hurts them a little bit when they get into the NCAA sometimes. You know, you look at these teams that that play these tough games night in and night out. And again, Gonzaga can't do anything about this. They're just so much better than everybody else in their conference. So they're always they're going to be the favorite because they have the most talent. You know, the, they have a great recruiting class. But I do think there's teams there that can, you know, the one of my biggest college basketball futures ever is this year. I don't know what Kansas is doing at 18 to one. I have no idea Thank why you. they're 18 to one. No clue. The they're loaded again. Uh, and that number isn't going to be close to 18 to one come March. So I, I do think there's teams that can challenge Gonzaga, but you know, you can't go wrong betting Gonzaga if you want to take the short number because the chances that they get tripped up before the final four aren't good. They just have too much talent all over the place. You know, the, a lesser team is going to have trouble upsetting them in the NCAA tournament. But I do think it's going to be 
I don't think they're going to run through teams. There, there are some good teams out there this year. I'll tell you one thing. The SEC is absolutely loaded. It's going to be one of the only times where the uh, SEC basketball is better than SEC football. There's mm. teams all over that can compete there. Kentucky, Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn, Mississippi State is good. So, again, playing those games every night, I think, does give you a little bit of edge in, in the NCAA tournament because you're going to come into a close game. Now, <laughs> Give Gonzaga credit. They hit that long shot last year. So, but, you know, we saw them in that game against UCLA, and they did get past it. But, listen, Baylor was just the best team in college basketball last year. There's no doubt about that. I mean, how – where are you on UCLA? Because I can't figure this out. Like, I, I know they're returning a lot, but given that they were in the play-in game last year and they were – you know, one game away from being one and done, a couple of possessions away from being mm-hmm. one and done. Michigan State could have beaten them in that play-in game. And now all of a sudden I got to buy them as a 15 to one, 16 to one national championship contender. I, I, I don't get this with UCLA. How do you, how do you feel about UCLA? They're a little overvalued. The, you know, that's a team. If I liked, I'd probably wait because I think, you know, they'll, they'll have a couple conference losses. The year North Carolina won it last, the, the last time they won it. Um, I love North Carolina and they had three losses in a row that year and their number went from eight to one to 20 to one. And that's when I jumped on them. So that's the thing about betting college basketball futures. You don't have to bet them right now. You can wait. Right. You the, the, the Pac-12, they're, they're, they're going to have a couple losses here. And I think you're going to get a better number than what you have right now for UCLA because they're basing this on last year's tournament run. Right. Michigan and Purdue. Two top teams in the Big Ten. Anybody else that you're liking? Any thoughts on Ohio State or Illinois? The Big Ten's interesting this year. You know, and I know John Rothstein has said this a couple times, and I agree with him. The Big Ten isn't as good this year as it was last year. You have a couple of those big teams like Michigan and uh, Illinois is good. Ohio State's good. You know, Purdue's really good. Then I think there's room for teams to move up like a Northwestern, like a Nebraska. Nebraska's got a got a lot coming. Northwestern returns everybody. They lost a lot of close games. People look at the 13-game losing streak, but they could have won seven or eight of those games. So I think, you know, Iowa's going to take a little bit of a step back this year. I think the Big Ten's going to be interesting. If you're looking for value, I think that's the conference more so than an SEC where there's just so many good teams. I don't see a team from the bottom coming up and challenging those teams. Yeah, I think there's definitely the, the race to win the Big Ten is going to be really fascinating. And, and there's a lot of returning talent across. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm there with Purdue like everybody else. I mean, there's a lot they're of way American. overvalued. They're good. Yeah. But they're overvalued. I'm, I'm just not there. I like Matt Painter a lot, but I'm just I'm just not there just yet. And look, the covid extra year is Colin Gillespie. I mean, how long is this dude going to be in college? But Nova, I mean, they're they're back in it. Right. I mean, Nova's got to be a team to be reckoned with again. Right. Yeah, no, they're good. Again, there's a team that could that could challenge Gonzaga. Remember, they gave Baylor their toughest test probably in that tournament with their defense because you you know Villanova is going to play defense. You know they're going to be well coached. I mean, they're really good. I I thought people were too high on UConn last year. I think UConn is really good too. Watch, uh, I think people might have been a year early on them where their front line is really really tough. So I, I like both those teams in the. In, in the biggest, I think your team um, has a good recruit and has a good recruiting class. They're very well coached, but obviously they're probably going to take a little bit of a step back this year, losing yep. so much talent. 
Yeah, I think they're. I think that this is one of those like they'll they'll win a game and lose a game they're not supposed to. That they'll be a bubble team. It's a transition year for them. Yeah, in the conversation, maybe they make a run in the BBS tournament and they get themselves into into a bid perspective. But I think really next year is the year that they think they're mm-hmm. going to be really back to contending for the biggest championship. Let me ask you about Texas because this is the team that I have not bet yet, but I've been eyeballing here a little bit. I. I think Chris Beard having the ability to take in all the transfers and work in the transfer market. He's got so many transfers coming into this Texas team. If they can put it together, how dangerous is Texas? Very dangerous. The, you know, so here's the thing. I took Kansas, right? Because they're 18 to one. And I think that number is going to, you know, shorten quite a bit. Texas, like you said, similar to Auburn, similar to Arkansas, they're, they're bringing in so many new, new faces and they're trying to mesh them. I think you're going to be able to get a better number on Texas because I think that first month, month and a half, Chris Beard's got to work with that lineup. We see it with Kentucky all the time. I remember Calipari after that loss to Duke with, with Zion was there when they got blown out. He said, you know, it is what it is. He said, I use these early games almost like extra practices. He said, I don't even know who my team is half the time because I got so many new faces, right? So he's trying to find the rotation. He's trying to figure out the the best way to use this. I think Chris Beard's going to have the same issue at Texas. By the end of the season, they're going to be unbelievable. So I would wait and grab a better number with Texas. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And and I just... I love a coach who has the experience of, of of taking all of these either guys from the JUCO ranks or transfer ranks and kind of getting them up to speed and buying into their system and kind of getting everybody together on top of the fact that Texas recruits really well. And, you know, this cupboard wasn't left totally bare for Chris Beard to come in and, and take over. I, I'm very curious about Texas. You mentioned Kansas already in Texas. Anybody else in the Big 12 that you think? I mean, how are you on Baylor? Oh, Baylor's going to be good again. Uh, the They lose a couple of key pieces. Obviously, they're, you know, I had them two years ago at 40 to one and uh, the tournament didn't happen. I thought they'd been the best team in basketball two years straight. And last year they had a real chip on their shoulder after the tournament being canceled. It, you know, a lot of those guys came back. They didn't have to come back. So I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year, but they're definitely going to be contenders in the Big 12. Uh, the Big 12 to me is a little top heavy. You know, I, I see uh, I see those top couple teams, Baylor, Texas and Kansas, and I see quite a big drop off to everybody else. I know you got to run here in a couple of seconds, just a couple more, more minutes until you got to go. Gotta, mm-hmm. you, you have an event you got to go to. But where are you? You mentioned Auburn. OK, so where did why are you taking Auburn 60 to one? Why Auburn? I just think they're, you know, last year, nothing went right for Auburn. They had a bunch of problems this year. They all new players, pretty much, you know, you got Walker Kessler coming in, you got Jabari Smith, the super freshman, their front line is going to be unbelievable. Their guard play is going to be there. Once Bruce Pearl gets this team going, they're going to be tough. I mean, I don't see them being anywhere near 70 to one. You know, I I think they're going to be comfortably in the NCAA tournament. And I'll give you one more team to keep an eye on. Washington State in the Pac-12. They've been building something there the last couple of years. And they had the 24th ranked defense on Ken Palm last year. They return a lot of players. The Pac-12 is one of those sneaky conferences. Again, you got a couple of those teams up top with Oregon, UCLA. Then there's a lot of question marks. To me, I think Washington State can be a top four team in the in the Pac-12, and I expect them to make their first NCAA tournament since 2008. 
Interesting. One more thing before I let you go. Everybody loves the non-power five, right? We have the Gonzaga. The, the Zags are the Zags. They're in, their, they're in their own world. But what do you make of Houston this coming year? And can they repeat anywhere close to the run they had last year? Yeah, I mean, Houston's going to be really tough again. They have great coaching. They have great athletes. I don't think they're going to be as good as last season. You know, I also think that, listen, no offense to Houston. They're, they're a very good team. Sometimes the NCAA tournament shakes out right for you to, to make a to make a run. And, and I thought they got, I mean, listen, Syracuse went as far as they could. The teams like that, I thought Houston got a nice draw. And that's part of it. You know, we talk about futures. You get you got to get a good draw on the NCAA tournament, too, in order to cash those futures. So I wouldn't expect Houston to be a Final Four team. I would just expect them to be a very good regular season team who could potentially make the Sweet 16. Interesting stuff. Thomas, thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate your time. Best of luck on college basketball coming up. We'll talk to you down the line, all right? Great. Thanks a lot.